Okay, hi uh, everybody, Jeff Cooper here from Classic Christian Rock Radio, and on our Time Machine show tonight, we have a special guest, it's Mike Stan from the Altar Boys. Hi Mike, we finally got it together. Yeah, we finally got it together, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, how you doing, man? Great. Thanks for having me on, I appreciate it. You know, it's awesome to have you on. Um, so, what was it like for you growing up? Like for me, I grew up in Fullerton, California, and Fullerton, California is famous for, uh, amongst other things, um, the Fender Factory. Leo Fender mm. um, started there, and uh, in fact, uh, my grandfather used to listen to him working on his amplifiers and everything. He had a little uh, shop down the street from Fender. Wow. You know, I had a, uh, from from a distance, you know, it looks like I had a kind of a crazy childhood. Uh, growing up in Fullerton in when I did in the 70s, you know, it was a lot of freedom, um, a lot of neat things going on. But uh, it was also a, a time for me that uh, I kind of just grew up with not a lot of uh, parameters. And um, mm -hmm. so, you know, but I have come from a very musical family. All my brothers played. And so that really kind of helped influence me in, in wanting to play the guitar because my oldest brother played the guitar. And my oldest my other oldest brother played the played the drums. Mm -hmm. You know, my youngest brother played the drums. He eventually joined the Lifesavers. Oh, right. But we used to, you know, I I always talk about it. It's it obviously it's so different. Every generation has, you know, they look back and all the great things they used to do, taking off all day on a Saturday and riding their bicycle, and around the streets of Fullerton, and we thought no big deal about it. But you know, I think I was always a little bit, um, a little bit insecure as a kid. Not, I don't want to say shy, but uh, probably a little bit socially awkward. But always very musical. And it really wasn't until probably my senior year in high school, or late in high school, that I kind of found my my footing in life. And that's you know when I sang in, in choir and and I ran track, and I was introduced to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, that began began a journey. <laughs> yeah. Journey early on that uh, is taking, you know, as journeys do, they kind of take you up mountains and down into valleys. That's for sure. But thank God I'm here and I made it through it. Amen. <laughs> so, that's, uh, so that really helped you through your uh, teen years. And, and obviously there's similar stories to that. Mine is one of them. Uh, I don't know where I would be without music. So you had like typical garage bands, uh, the school band, that kind of thing. You know, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't tell you when exactly I, I, I started playing. You know, often I was five years old. I was given an acoustic guitar. Yeah. And you know, I played with different people. Uh, my my brother brother played so, and I some kids at school would play. It wasn't until I was in. Uh, Junior high school, I met a friend named Paul, mm -hmm. and really, like I said, I was very insecure as as a kid, not sure of myself, socially awkward, and Paul was a more popular person in school, and he was very musical. He invited me over to his house, and he saw that I had some musical ability, and he kind of took me under his wing, you know. Mm -hmm. Paul was your typical teenager, yeah. but uh, he was the first guy that I admired that believed in me as a musician. Mm -hmm. And um, we stayed friends for, for a long time and eventually, you know, did form a little group. We played together. We used to play with Los Lobos, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? 
Wow. Yeah. yeah, we play um, this Mexican restaurant in Anaheim, and yeah. Los Lobos would play the early set yes. from about um, four o'clock to eight. Mm-hmm. We come swinging about play like eight thirty to one thirty. In fact, they first started playing their electric instruments mm-hmm. on our stuff. We'd leave it there. Great guys. Uh-huh. So um, really, he's the first guy kind of connected musically. Of course, there was the Crandalls, Jeff and yeah. Bill Crandall. Yeah. And and the drummer of the altar boys and mm-hmm. and i would jam with his brother so i was always playing with people mm-hmm. and kind of interlapping over there but nothing real big until i really got into the altar boys and that kind of took off yeah and some of your musical influences obviously los lobos and uh somebody has mentioned the ramones i don't know where they got that mm-hmm. from. does that just be the genre i guess yeah i mean you know I, i'm pretty eclectic as far as my yeah. my musical tastes mm-hmm I mean, of course, everybody loves the Beatles yes. and, and the Who. Of course, I'm a big Grand Funk Railroad fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With their good music, early stuff. Yes. Uh, yeah. They kind of went bubblegum later on or whatever. They changed yeah. it kind of, eh, yeah. didn't dig it too much. No. But their early stuff was really great. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of David Bowie. Mm-hmm. always been a big fan of Led Zeppelin. Of um, yeah. And... Um, but they got Emerson Lake and Palmer and the progressive stuff, of course, then later on, X, mm-hmm. Gary Myrick and the figures, the Ramones, the Clash. Yeah. You know, so, and, but I love Beethoven and mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. Mozart. Yeah. I, and I, and I, and I love Mahler. Yeah. And I love Brahms, you know, and I love Hank Williams. Yes. So it's a very eclectic and I, I love Charlie Christian. Yeah. And early swing band stuff. So it's a very eclectic that I um, come. I just love good tunes. That's yes. what I. That's what I really thrive on. Good songs. Love it. Yeah, yeah. You sound like me. I like it all too. It's <laughs> one of those things you can. People can't pigeonhole my my taste, but that's all right. I've always been that way. I uh, like it all. Um, so, Alter Boys are called a Christian punk band, but and Pioneers of Christian rock. I've never used the word punk. I always think you're breaking beer bottles over heads when you're talking punk. But I think they're using aggressive style music, right? Yeah, I think early back in the '80s when we started. I mean, you know, you were if you were driving, and you kind of had the attitude you were a punk rock band. I mean, Gary Myrick, mm-hmm. X, they were considered punk bands. Yeah. No, and so you didn't actually have to play the thrashing punk rock to be considered a punk band. You know, replacements for a while were considered a punk band. Right. Was, was yeah. So yeah. it isn't kind of tell, but then you had the real thrash kind of punk. Yeah. So, you know, everything kind of, uh, the lines were blurred. Mm-hmm. The lines were blurred. So... You know, we had some punk band, some punk songs early on, Oh Nancy and You're Lost, mm-hmm. but we also played these kind of real tuneful, almost B-less kind of tunes. Right. Too. And you could, you could do that as a punk rock group. Yeah. You know, you could kind of, you didn't have to be all in your face. No. Um, you could have some melody, melody in your tunes. Yeah, and it, but it got, it. I think later on it kind of... You know, the hardcore stuff kind of came along and kind of got more defined of what punk rock became and things kind of splintered a little bit. Mm. But early on, if you played hard and fast, yeah, okay, hey, you're a punk group. You're certainly not Led Zeppelin. No. 
And, you know, you're not Ario Speedwagon, you're not Leonard Skinner, and you're not mm -hmm. Boston, so you must be punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> or you're thrash metal. Right? Or something, yeah. yeah. Well, that or was speed a metal. Over there. <laughs> yeah, that was different over there, you know, a little yeah. different. You had to kind of have, you know, the, the metal glam thing, you know, you know, Striper and some other bands. That was different yeah. over there. It mm -hmm. was a little different kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> So your bands, uh, we've got a, a few here, Alter Boys, Clash of Symbols, the Alter Billies, and of course your solo work. How did they differ? Well, I can tell you how they're all the same. Yeah, I figured you could. <laughs> You're in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm in it. But yeah. musically, I always try to put a message behind everything. Amen. Yeah, I do. And it might be subtle. It might be direct. Mm -hmm. There's always a, a message in all the songs, so that's the one thing that ties together. And differently, just different, um, kind of reinventing myself yeah. or rethinking musically or trying new things musically, you know. And that's really, I mean, obviously, with me doing rockabilly right now, that's a definite change. Although early on, I did play Rockabilly on a Lifesaver song. That's right. So, yeah. you know, um, and I did have a Gretsch guitar in my hand for yeah. a couple of weeks until someone bought it underneath me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just think it's just trying different things and not necessarily with the idea of, okay, I'm going to reinvent myself. It's just like, okay, where am I right now musically? What do I... What am I doing here? And yeah. just trying to write something cohesive that all fits together. Yes. So yeah. the the reinvention just kind of sort of happens, yeah. or the different trying different things just sort of happens. It wasn't something I sat down and just kind of purposely planned out per se. Mm -hmm. And it keeps it interesting too, right? <clears throat> yeah, so, sure does. Yeah, for sure. So, um, some of your albums, 1984 was a uh, debut album, uh, 1985, When You're a Rebel, uh, 86 was uh, GLM, and uh, 87, Against the Grain, 89, yes. Forever Mercy. Yeah. Um, great albums. What was the writing and recording process like? Did things differ? Did you, I guess, obviously you learned things as you went along. Um, start with the first one. What happened with that? Well, in the first one... Um, we were just happy to do one record, yeah. you know, and that was, those were early songs. And those songs were really written when I kind of discovered I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can write. You know, before that, I always write quote, little things, but I didn't really sit down to really write specific songs like I did for those. So, you know, I'm into God, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think particularly, you know, You Found Me was really where I found my footing. Yeah. You know, a lot of them came within a couple hours. You found me. It was written 20 minutes. So I just was like, wow, like a kid in a candy store. I can mm -hmm. do this. Because mm -hmm. when we first started the Altar Boys, I was not planning on being the main songwriter. Yeah. And I was not planning to be the main singer. Yeah. yeah. And I was not planning to be the front man. We tried, we tried other people and just wound up. I just kind of took that those jobs by default because nobody else could do them. Well, we're glad you did, though. Trust me, I didn't plan on it. Yeah. It wasn't a plan. So it was quite interesting the way that all came together. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those are early songs and early songs about my faith. And uh, very simple, which was okay. I'm not saying that I wasn't struggling or going through things, because obviously you can see it through You Found Me. And it was always, yeah. 
in my songs there's always a little bit of me. Yeah. And I think you can probably say that for every songwriter. Amen. You know? Yeah. yeah. And then <clears throat> we progressed into When You're a Rebel. And when we started writing When You're a Rebel, um, you know, came up with that song. I was like, well, can I say this? Yeah. Being a rebel. Yeah. Is it going to sell in the Christian ride. stores and stuff like that, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was interesting because, you know, to rebel. Yeah. It's not always necessarily something you want to do in the Bible. So I went to several pastors, asked them about it. Yeah. It's okay to do. And I think my songwriting started progressing when you're rebel. You can see a definite change. Mm -hmm. I think the lyric got a little better. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you're rebel was a big jump from the first record. Yeah. Sonically and musically, it was fast. Yeah. I think it was more of a punk rock record in a lot of ways. If you could define it mm -hmm. as that yeah um all the way around of course we had rick's does god's heart cry yeah which was a great song you know uh more along the lines of you know the tears for fears you too yeah yeah that kind of thing but a lot of the stuff he knows you better you know when you're rebel um what else is on there calling out to believers mm -hmm. you know they're harder hitting songs you know and i think and sonically it was really an advance, you know. Um, Phil Badstone did a great job producing that record with us. Oh yeah, it was a big help. It yeah. was a big help for us. Yeah. And then we go to GLM, and that's where it all came together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that record was done in about 160 hours uh, down at 3D Studios, so we were signed to Frontline. Mm -hmm. Terry Taylor helping us hone that record yes. uh, along with Rob Watson. Yeah. I don't think sonically it's as good a sounding as When You're Rebel, but I think it's probably a more cohesive record. It's probably the one we're known for. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. It's mm -hmm. got some great songs on it. We redid You Found Me. Yeah. From the first record because we just felt that song needed a better... It was good. It needed, needed to be a little faster and a little better produced. Yeah. So we redid it for that record. Of course, had you are loved on there. Yep, question it. Yeah. I question it was great. That's my, you know, my favorite. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And there was a love. I mean, all the rest songs are really. Of course, Rick Alba wrote um, "Life Begins at the Cross," which mm -hmm. you know, a great anthems. You know, just yes. all really good, really good anthems. Yes. You know, you throw your fist in your anthems. They like within when you're a rebel. I'm in the God. Yes. You know, Alter Boys. If anything is known for for their anthems mm -hmm. and for their cry to follow God, or as a Christian be stronger, or as a non-Christian to say, "Hey, look into this. This is really something. God is the real deal, mm -hmm. and He cares for you." Yes. <clears throat> How on earth did you get a Donna Sumner song on here? I love it. It's great. Oh, well, that's the, right. We had what's the story behind love? that. I, I, you know, I think it's because. Like Undercover was doing um, a cover song. They had their Holy, Holy, Holy. Right. And I thought, you know, we should do a cover. And mm -hmm. I uh, I think I may have heard Unconditional Love. And I thought, you know that? What if we can take that and punk rock? And I heard that Don <laughs> Summer was a Christian. So I don't yeah. know. I just. And it's a great message. You try yeah. things. You yeah. know, you just try things. You hear something, you try it. And yeah. I think I came up with a. An arrangement. I think I might have gone out and bought the 45 mm -hmm. or something and just said, okay. And I came in with the basic idea and we just kind of 
put the song together and it worked. I remember getting the album and going, oh, there's a song. And I put it on. What? That's the same song. <laughs> I wasn't, I, yeah, I just I, thought it was just a good Christian title. I had no idea till I heard it that, wow, and it works so well. It works. It really And, and we always open the uh, show with that song. Oh, that's you know? good. That's your, that's our opener to them. <laughs> yeah, we just do. I don't know. Yeah. Even today, if we go out and play, we open with that song. Yeah. Well, I'm jumping around only because we're talking about this album. So you remastered. I've got the it right in my hand right now. I'm looking at the back. And you remastered this, and you found a bonus track somewhere. Where was the track? The track was on a cassette. And, um, you know, we had, I had a, you know, a lot of times you'd make these cassettes. You'd record and do the basics, and you'd throw them on cassette just to listen to see how they sounded. And yeah. so when we did GLM basics, we did them, we did the drums and rhythm guitars and bass together mm -hmm. that's the way we did our basic tracks yeah no vocals no guide vocal oh. so i could just focus on the the guitars yes i don't think we had a guide vocal maybe oh. we did or if i did i just would just kind of forgot who he was <laughs> no i just do yeah. the guide yeah or they you didn't do it put yourself it in, yeah you know? yeah you interested in hearing the instruments so mm -hmm. i had this cassette and i was going through it and i go you know everything i obviously know glm and all the songs and i come to this one song and i go what song is this i i didn't um even know the name of it yeah you know and uh so uh i had to kind of go back and figure out what song it was mm -hmm. and because i had i had really had no idea and i was going back and looking at my lyrics i keep all my lyrics you know and, uh, and and so I went back and I go, well, what song is this? I don't see anything that's 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 on here. In fact, as I'm talking to you right now, and you might yeah. want to edit it, yes. I can't remember the name of the tune. I can What's tell you it's called, well, you, it's okay. <laughs> edit that out, Mr. Bill. So uh, the last uh, track was called Just Can't Let Go. Is that right? That's right, Just Can't Let Go. Yeah. Okay, that's right. yeah, he, okay. Mr. Bill does great editing, don't worry. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> So I went back and I found some lyrics I just can't let go. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's the song, but we didn't have any vocals to it. So I I, I remember uh, when Gordon Records approached me about doing this, remastering it, I said, well, and then he asked, do you have any, any extra bonus material? I said, well, I have one song, but I don't have vocals to it. The basic track. He goes, think you remember the song? I'll go, I'll try. <laughs> so I got the words. I got the song. Yeah. And I just like, okay, how does this go again? And it <laughs> kind of started coming back to me. And finally, my son walked by and goes, Dad, what are you, what are you doing? I go, I'm trying to remember this song. All I have is this vocal and the song, and I and I want to record it, and I just can't remember. He goes, well, you need to try. You're Mike Stan. You can do this. Yes. So eventually. I came up, I, I figured it out, just from memory. You remember, this is a song I probably wrote, you know, yeah. um, 25 years ago. And I eventually put it together and redid the vocal to it. And my son and I, you know, used the basic track, added a few guitars, mm -hmm. added the lead part that I thought I would know. But I don't ever remember playing this live. Yeah. So then we put it on the, on the re-release, and it came out great. It's terrific, yes. But lo and behold... <laughs> 
a year ago, someone sends me a video of us opening with that song. Oh, and how close was it? Very close. Good. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, I had. No, I didn't think we ever played it. No. I, I didn't ever remember. And we opened with the song. Yeah. Wow. The Lord yeah. is good. <laughs> Helped you remember. Helped me remember. That's yeah. Great. Oh wow. I also really, I really like uh, the final hour. That's a powerful song. Yeah. And uh, uh, I don't. Uh, funny thing about that song was um, I had written it in a little green book. Mm -hmm. And for some, I'll say it, dumb reason, <laughs> I took it with me to Cornerstone 85. Uh oh. And why I took my lyric book with me, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I wound up leaving it behind stage. I heard, stage, I heard stage. this story somewhere. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us what and happened. And so yeah. Dick Randall happened to be back there and he picked up this book thinking it was important looked through it and called me and said did you leave a book with some lyrics there otherwise it might have been lost mm. so he returned it he uh sent it to me but uh it probably was lost and so you know therefore my lyric books never go out of my house after that that was it <laughs> that's good oh well god god knew where it was all along but you just didn't yeah. know he found it for you but I would yeah. not have remembered the lyrics to it had that would have been lost probably if Dick had not. So thank you, yes. Randall, for saying. Amen. So, uh, what was Cornerstone like for you as a band and yourself? Obviously, that's a that's a great story from it. Um, you played it two thousand live. You did a, a CD of that as well. That's out there if people want to find it. Uh, what was Cornerstone like? I never did get to get to go. I really wish I. Had. Oh wow! Well, you know, I think the most epic. I mean. Obviously, doing the uh, reunion shows was reunion shows were great yes. back in 2000, 2002. Yeah, but the first one in '84. Wow. When we went there, I mean, we we're flying, and I thought I got I go like we're flying to the East Coast, and mm -hmm. we're flying to the Midwest. Mm -hmm. We're going to Chicago, right? Yeah, that's Midwest. Yes. Never been there. Yeah. Never flown any place. Yeah. I'm thinking, who's gonna know us? Mm -hmm. No one's gonna know us. Yeah. So we get there. You know, we get to our hotel, and then uh, for some reason I see Derry. Yes. And, I, and they played that Friday. I think we were scheduled to play Saturday, I okay. think, or something. Or maybe they played Thursday, and we were scheduled to play Friday. Yeah. And i like, Derry, how'd it go? <laughs> Man, it was great. <laughs> They're going to love you guys. Yeah. I go, really? Oh, talking about you guys, really? So we set up in this big, look like a uh, Big kind of uh, I don't know, a glass house or yeah. something, or not glass, but uh, it had uh, I don't know, just a big room yes. with siding and things like that where they group group plants or did yeah. So it was like a fairground. Like I don't a, know, a greenhouse so of some kind, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's a greenhouse of some kind. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and um. So we did our sound check, and it was cool, and they said, okay, we're going to open the doors. And they opened the doors. A flood of people came in. Mm. I mean, hundreds of people. Wow. And we played our show, and the energy was just unbelievable. <sighs> I, I never – it was just like, you got to be kidding me. We couldn't believe it. Yeah. People had heard of us, and they were singing our of songs. <laughs> yes. It was wonderful. So we did uh, Cornerstone 84, yeah. 85. I think we did Back in the Greenhouse at mm -hmm. night. 86 was main stage. Yeah. I think we skipped 87 for whatever reason. Did 88. Yeah. 
And I don't remember if we did 89. I don't remember after that what happened. We might have done a late night one. Did you do any with it, uh, the, the late night jams with Daryl and the guy? I think uh, with Daryl, maybe once or twice. Hard to yeah. remember. It's always kind of plain and kind of circulating around someplace. Yeah, he just loved it. He lived for that. Uh, Cornerstone, he told me all the time. Just um, the, a wonderful experience. I just never got to go. I wish I and had. That, yes, too bad, yeah. because it was a great experience. And Cornerstone 2000, the pig pin was great. Yes. Great crowd. Yeah, um, yeah. Cornerstone 2002, we did the main stage, mm -hmm. and I it was pretty hot, and I got sick, and that was the last one. Oh. It was really hard. Yeah. It was really it was really hot. Yeah, that's no <laughs> That's all fun. I remember. <laughs> and then it's work. It's not fun then. Yeah, it became but, kind of a, yeah. I mean, it's cool, but it was a little yeah. hot. Then you're really doing it for God. You're not doing it for any other reason. It was pretty, and yeah, people, pretty crazy. And the people, so, yeah, wow. So, uh, pretty memorable. Any other concerts uh, through the years at special events? Oh, we always loved Flint, Michigan. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. we played in a uh, 2,500 seat hall and about 28 people showed up. Oh, man. Yeah. It was wonderful. It's though. still great. I know. I've played for two or three people as well. I know what it's like. Yeah. 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 But you just remember that those two or three people like you. <laughs> right? Yeah. And well, they, it was great. Yeah. It was great. Those 28 people, awesome. or it might have been 32, loved it. So That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's go up a little bit now. We've got something really current happening. Uh, and no substitute so it's a kickstarter and where are we at with it i think we've just completed right and we're ready to go what's happening on the latest okay on so uh we are finished with the new record no substitute mm -hmm. and uh it's being in production right now it'll be available on vinyl and on cd and as download so it should be out i'm gonna say let's see what are we in um well depending when this show is gonna be broadcast mm -hmm. I would say possibly early July. Good. It Very might, possible. might coincide with this broadcast then, which is good. We might even plan it that way. So keep to it. We all know about these Kickstarters, don't we? <laughs> Some of them take Well, you a know, the longer. interesting thing about this, this record is yeah. it's, not, it's not me trying to do Alter Boys now. No, no. This was recorded mm -hmm. back in 91 and 93. Beautiful. On, um, on tape. Mm-hmm. And it's a record basically we started, you know, it was more, I don't want to say it was a demo. No. It was like a performance, performance tape. We were using this yeah. to, uh, to start tracking mm -hmm. and to start pitching the song to some labels. We were off the frontline label right. at the time. Yeah. And so when I went and did these, I did it like we were doing a record. Yeah. I sang really hard mm -hmm. and the arrangements were good and the songs were done. And it was just something... We never finished um, the record. The band wound up going on a hiatus. Yeah. And then I started Clash of Symbols. I took a couple of the songs and put them Clash of Symbols okay. around me. Yeah. And give our hearts back to God. And then I just kind of forgot about it. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I just figured, okay, well, it just won't get done. And I'm moving on. And that's that. And that's okay. Yeah. That's not meant to be. And sometimes it's not meant to be. Yeah. But I guess it was. Yes, it was. And you've added to it. You've uh, beefed it up. What have you done? Just You've remastered, obviously, with today's well, wonderful technology. Was... We all know about technology from earlier on. So what have you added? More guitar work, vocals? Um... Well, it was essentially just my lead vocals yeah. with some background vocals. Yeah. 
electric guitar and some acoustic guitar, some lead work. Yeah. So what we did is we added bass. Mark Robertson mm -hmm. came in and added bass. Mm -hmm. We did drums. Jeff did what he could on drums, right. and then my son finished it off. Oh, great, good. And then um, we uh, didn't change the lead vocals. We added more background vocals. Yeah. Uh, I doubled. Excuse me. It's okay. We'll edit that out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's all good. You. So I doubled the um, electric guitars, the rhythms. Yeah. Um, the right side being the original track, the left side being my new track. Mm -hmm. And then we took out some of the leads. I had Steve Pinier add a lot of lead guitar. Yeah. And so, you know, it's essentially... It's like a remix, really, right? Sort of, well, sort yeah, of. there were no drums in the original okay. part. There were no drums or bass in the original. Well, that's hard to do. I can't wait to hear what he did with it. Uh, oh, it's it's really great. It's awesome. really a great record. Yeah. A lot of anthems. Good. A lot of anthems. Love it. Anthem after anthem after anthem after anthem. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> it is. It took me about uh, 250 to 300 hours to oh. do the tracking and about 100 hours to help with the artwork. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of work. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited when I hear. I don't want to use the word. That's why we call it classic. <laughs> we don't want to use the word older. It's older, but we're so excited when people are still at it. And uh, I mean, we're not that old, are we? And uh, still coming up with new things, you know. Well, the thing is, it's, it's. I would not have gone back and done it. No. And had it for my vocals. People ask, "Why don't you do it?" I'm, and I and I and I kind of thought about this record. It's been on my mind since we finished the last Ultra Bullies record. Yes. Because people kind of brought it up to me, and or I come across a cassette mm -hmm. of it, or something, and you know, I just, you know, I kind of looked at some different ideas of how I might want to finish it off. Maybe give the songs to some people, or yeah. I, I don't know. It was kind of, kind of coming up with all these different concoctions, basically, to try to finish the record. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, Chad Ashton, who does a lot of the all the Ultraviolets videos yes. and helps me with a lot of video stuff, said, "You know, Mike." You got the music. Why don't you just finish it? Yeah. But there's more to the story, Jeff. Yeah. Um, what happened at the time when I decided to finish it was I got sick. Mm -hmm. I uh, I got growths in my vocal cords. Oh boy. And had to have an operation. Yeah. And um, I very rarely take time off, so I had to take three weeks off from work. Um, and it was during this three-week time that I went back, I got my tape machine, and decided to put the tape in to check to see what I had. I didn't even remember exactly what I had on tape, yeah. so it took me about eight hours to repair it. And then I, once I got it up and going, I was playing it and just testing it out. My son comes in and says, is that you, Dad? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. I said, well, this is you know, no substitute project. What do you think? Well, let me listen. He goes, Dad, this is really good. Yeah, great. This is really good. I go, what would you think maybe of finishing it? Yeah. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. Let's transfer it over digitally. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, let's let's do that. And let's send it out to the guys, to Jeff and and to Steve yeah. and to uh, Mark and a few other friends and to Rick and see what they think. Mm -hmm. And... Um, um, they they really dug it. They really dug it. So it was a slow process um, to putting it together. Then we contacted Adele at Frontline, and she suggested we talk to Jeffrey over at Low Fidelity Records. Yeah. And um, we 
the Kickstarter and and worked on it, and uh, it, it's been an amazing feat to finish this. It's a great record. Yeah. I think people are going to be surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised That's by great. it. Yeah. It's good to be new and fresh for us, yet old, but fresh and new. <laughs> It'll be fresh. All at once. It'll be fresh. That's great. It'll be fresh. That's great. So, uh, how on earth did the Alter Billies come about? I know there's a bit of a story behind that. You were probably, like you say, on hiatus, or Alter Boys were not together for whatever reason. Um, how did Alter Billies come out? Come about? Well, it was. Uh, I uh, was in my church parking lot walking through, and I saw this guy with a Ramones T-shirt. Mm. They don't see that very often. No. Not at church. And uh, <laughs> I, went, I just kind of, he was from afar, and I, th- I was kind of walking, and I thought, there's a guy I should get to know. <laughs> yes, yeah. And so um, my wife made friends with a with a, a parent in my son's class named Wendy. Mm-hmm. And she would tell me that her, my wife would say, you got to meet Wendy's husband, John. He's He likes to Ramon, likes music, and da 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 da. And Mm -hmm. uh, I never put two and two together. That guy with the Ramon's t shirt was John. So I was introduced to John, and we hit it off right away. Good. Yeah. And uh, I invited John to come and Johnny to come and play, um, help me with guitar. I was doing a little uh, Wednesday night study. Mm -hmm. And so he'd come and play guitar, and and, and I, because I was leading the worship for the study. Yeah. And one day he turns to me and says, you know, I've been listening to your Ultra Boy stuff. Have you ever thought about billying some of the stuff up? And it's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you get a lot of twang in your music, yeah. Mike. What? <laughs> goes, really, I'll, I'll put together a, uh, a little demo for you against the grain, yeah. for example. Yeah. So we did. And then he said, well, while you're at it, listen to this. So he gave me a tape of some... Uh, of just a eclectic bunch of different rockabilly artists, yeah. you know, the Knitters yeah. and little Eddie Cochran, a little bit of Elvis. Yeah. And I started to listen to this, and I thought, well, this is this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I just started warming up to it because to me, rockabilly like was the Lifters and mm-hmm. you know Johnny B. Good mm-hmm. and just Summertime Blues, which is cool. Yeah. You know, uh, Heartbreak Hotel, mm-hmm. and um, I just started. Diving into it and kind of really listening to it and listening to some of the early sets or stuff and just kind of warming up to it. And I'm like, you know, uh, this is pretty cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, I never got into it that deep to really listen beyond the obvious hits. Mm-hmm. And once I started really listening to what was going on, what was happening, and all what rockabilly was and all the connections, I just went, it's the light went on. I'm like, where have I been all these years? Yeah. This is it. Yeah. I have found home. I have struck pay dirt. <laughs> I have, this is unbelievable. And today, I'm a fine connoisseur and studier of rockabilly. Right on. Of all the early stuff. I love yeah. it. You know, I'm always learning new songs and but and jazz at the same time mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you listen to Setzer, he is yes. bringing it together. So, together. anyways, back to my story. Yeah. Johnny, uh, we became good friends, and he said, you know, maybe you ought to put a little rockabilly thing together. I said, okay, well, let's try it. You can kind of work me through this thing because you seem to have a good uh, understanding, and I'm going to really do my homework. And so we put together a little thing, actually, with my son was younger, and, and uh, 
did a few little things at church in there and here and there and, and but mostly using Ultra Boys music and I thought well we thought well what should we come up with let's just something come up with something tongue in cheek we're just going to do Ultra Ultra Boys copy of Ultra Boys songs and just <laughs> billion them up and go out and play churches once a month and you know just be kind of a fun thing to do and no big thing let's just call it uh, Ultra Billions yeah. how about that tongue in cheek cute okay. <laughs> So then we start playing, and then uh, we um, had a drummer named Chris Cummings that, that played with us for a while, for about a year, and then he didn't really wasn't really digging the music too much. And then I said, well, let me call up Chuck Cummings and see if he'd like to play. So I called Chuck and told him what he was doing. He said, yeah, cool. Mm. So we were still still doing Ultra Boys covers, and then, um, I don't know, I just started writing. Yeah. I just started writing one of the first songs I wrote, coming back, and I hadn't written in a long time. I didn't know if I could even do it because if you don't songwrite, it's like a muscle. You don't, you kind of lose the craft a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote "Hold On" was the first song I came up with, and the guys loved it. And then I said, "Well, let me write a few more." And before I knew it, I whole had a, about a year, year and a half, I had a whole album of material. And so Alter Billy's kind of started taking on its own life. Yeah. And you know, uh, we you know came up with heading out west. We well, we did the first record, mm -hmm. which was mostly Ultra Boys covers, yeah. and then we did heading out west, which had a ton of neat songs. I'm still standing mm -hmm. and great little songs. And we just released Long Long Road. So it wasn't supposed to take a life of its own. Right. It originally was supposed to be just be Ultra Boys songs, and we're supposed to do churches. Now we do street fairs. We rarely do churches. Street fairs. Clubs, barber shops, mm -hmm. and you know, I guess in hindsight, to be honest with you, I probably have. If I would have known it would have taken on life of its own, I probably would have called it something different. Yeah, just another another um, band name or something. Yeah, and but by the time we started getting traction, we'd have already been kind of the the name had already kind of been branded. Yeah, but if I would have known we were going to do a new Alter Boys record, mm -hmm. but you know supposed to do yeah you know it just kind of worked out the way it was and some ultra boys fans are a little bummed by it and honest you know i didn't do it to take anybody off no. it just seemed mm -hmm. it just seemed appropriate and, and it wasn't like it was impulsive but it was like okay well that kind of works yeah. but um you know hindsight being what it, what it was i probably would have called it the cow pokes i don't know <laughs> yeah. something like that. i don't know i don't know yeah well anything well, we but ultra belly that's okay. Yeah, we have Heading Out West in the library. I'm just looking it up to see how many. We just have the one. We need to get more. We've actually had a, a Rockabilly night, so we do have quite a few. Uh, we have Long Long Road, which is a really good album. record. Yeah. A new one. I have to get that out to you. It's, it's got some really right good. A little more jazz. Yes. A little more jazz oh, to it. Oh, we would love that. Uh, it would be great. Uh, or, you know, just a little more swing. Yes. Because, uh, you know, I'm writing a little more swing these days. That's great stuff. Good old Brian Seltzer. That's good. Love that yeah. big band sound too. A little bit of that. Yeah, he's the king. He dude. sure is. All the way from Stray Cats to that, right? You know, and a bit of he's unbelievable. He is. He's 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 just out of this world, yeah. man. I think he's a Martian. Well, I was <laughs> amazed. Even our school band played Stray Cat Strut the other day at the our concert at the school I work at. Grade seven band playing Stray Cat Strut. They had no idea. <laughs> I, oh, no. I I sort of recognized yeah. it, but it was that you know. So it, it's good because it's a jazz band. So they're trying to play some contemporary jazz, you know. 
You know, it, he's he's on top of the heat, man. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's like we right here. It's we have a nice little rockabilly scene mm-hmm. here in Orange County, yeah. and uh, they they've accepted. They own, they know we're believers, and yes. a lot of people have been kind of a little bit kind of pensive on us and a little hesitant, but they've kind of accepted us, knowing that we're not in their face. We just, you know. Yeah. They, you know, they, I mean, great people. Yeah. I mean, just fabulous people. But we, we always talk, you know, Brian's held up very highly here. And we always say, you know, I can do this mm-hmm. like Brian, but I won't sound like Brian because no. Brian is just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so. you've, been able, you've been able to play out uh, some of the hockey games, I guess, the, what do they call the trail parties outside or um, when they have... We did that years ago. That's what I thought. Most... I saw something on somewhere about it. You were doing some... Yeah, we're playing t- two or three times a month. Good. We have yeah. uh, we go into this barbershop down the street from me. The closer, the better. Yeah. And we bring about 100 people out on a Saturday oh, night. Oh, great. Or we, um, you know, play private parties, um, street fairs. Uh, we have a little indoor, neat little indoor kind of food area yeah. called Anaheim Packing House oh. that we play quite often and, yeah. you know, do two-hour sets and mix it up with half our own stuff yep. and yeah, half early stuff. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So uh, another one I have for you then. Um, how was the Christian music scene for you uh, as a band, obviously Cornerstone was awesome. Your fans loved you. How about the music scene itself for the labels? Um, uh, well, at first, I think I there was always a real uh, good cohesive thing and camaraderie with all the bands. I think that's what I enjoyed most yeah. about it. And I and I'm finding it happening again here yes. in Orange County with Rockabilly. It's that same kind of feel, and I love yeah. it. So I think. The scene for us was just the joy of playing all the groups together yeah. and sharing the good Christ. And, you know, the concerts were also great. So many kids coming out. You know, as things progressed, that changed as we went on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, the label thing, that was a little tough for us, but it's sort of water under the bridge yeah. right now. Yeah. And I've kind of come to terms with that. I mean, it was what it was. Yeah. And, um, but in terms of everything else, we were actually treated pretty good. Yeah, well, that's good. overall by the by by the by the by the radio by the industry. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we were different. Yeah. We knew that, mm-hmm. so we knew we weren't going to be as accepted as like Steve Taylor yeah. or, or some of the other ones. We yeah. we knew that, and, and but but the bands were always great to us. Yeah. Jeff Moore, yeah. Petra. Any of those groups, they were always really nice to us yeah. and really, really accepting. So yeah. we never felt, ever really, Mylon, mm-hmm. Mylon the favorite time. Beautiful. We never felt like an, an, an outcast no. or never felt this by anybody. At the same time, we were always bringing up bands, um, you know, the prayer chain, mm-hmm. you know. And I think um, the Newsboys started about this in the late 80s too yeah, so yeah. it was a real good experience touring was really hard yeah. that was really hard on me yeah i think and digarmo and key were really good to us yeah but touring was really hard on me yeah. that was really hard that was the most difficult thing i think i i don't think it's i didn't really enjoy too much of it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people asking us to go on tour i mean if it made sense i'll go out if i can take my son right that would make sense to me yeah. but just to go out and play again and I mean, like I said, we go a mile or two and play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'd have to 
see about that. Yeah, that's, it's it's a lot. When we did audio feed back in 2015, that was really mm -hmm. cool. We enjoyed that. Yeah. That was good. Well, that's what's good about those uh, festivals. <laughs> are always good for that, bringing a lot together at once. And also uh, the touring isn't as big a deal because you're going somewhere. Maybe you're there for a few days. You don't have to go yeah, exactly. to five different cities. You stay there for... I'm not saying we won't no, because... No. I, I, I told everybody we'd never do another Alter Boys record, so I don't you know. You never know, um, right? <laughs> you, you know what? I'm not counting on it. No. It's, I'm open, but you just can't go out and choose to play Ohio, and I'm not going to go out and slog through. It had to make kind of make little sense. Of you course know? it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, talked a bit about who you've toured with and what touring was like. Um, so are you going to do any reuniting with the band for any one-offs for this album? Or you, yeah, yeah, we're talking about doing something at uh, House of Blues in Anaheim, and Tim Tabor at Transparent uh, Productions, he does most of the uh, events around here. We've talked to him. We just don't have anything solidified. No. But uh, give, me, give, Steve, yeah, give me time to get my passport, okay? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, no, I'd love to come down for something like that. But, yeah, go. And so we're... Yeah, we're talking about doing that mid-September and a little album release. We just don't have it solidified. Maybe by the time this is broadcast, yeah. it will be. Mm -hmm. But um, just the main thing was focusing on getting that record done. Now that it's done, we're going to the next phase. And then, you know, as far as touring, like I said, we're open, but probably not till next summer. We'll see how the, the records receive, yes. you know? Yeah. I mean, um, I think for me, uh, it really solidifies kind of my legacy mm -hmm. one thing a little more yeah and also i would hope it i would use it as an encouragement to other bands coming up yes um you know uh christian music has turned into more you know it's morphed into more of a worship yeah music kind of thing yeah, we re we noticed for lack of a better we term. noticed which <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. and I'm not saying it's bad. That's yeah. where it is. But maybe somewhere along the way, you know, it would be neat to have a band come up or a movement come up mm -hmm. like it was in Orange County, maybe someplace. Mm -hmm. And maybe this can spark something like that or yeah. encourage something like that or some younger groups. But it's not going to come from an old guy like me. <laughs> I can be there to mentor yeah. and to kind of uh, share and all that but uh you know a movement of cry a movement like that's going to happen it's going to happen amongst the youth yeah. whatever that's going to look yeah. like so we just pray for that to that end and yeah. people you know like people like you are out there to to mentor them maybe do some workshops or just have uh you know be available to them to give them guidance and advice right yeah, I feel I'm kind of moving into that phase of my life a little bit yes. more. Like I'm in, involved in that and starting that at uh, my church. Great. And uh, just kind of thinking about the next generation yeah. and the next and the kids coming up. Yeah. You know, Lord willing, I have more time on this earth, but, you know, uh, it, it, you know, you can kind of sense that there's more in the rearview mirror than what's in head of sure. you, you know, yeah. let's face yeah. it. Let's face that, right? Yep, we don't know, but we know what we can do while we're here, right? So Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. So uh, you have to let people know how to get a hold of your music, uh, including the new CD. I guess they've missed the Kickstarter, but it obviously it'll be a, a release as well. Is Girder Music one of your main uh, stays? 
Uh, no, this will be on low fidelity. Okay. No substitutes on. Uh, he's great. Jeff is great. great good. He's done a, we could not have done this Kickstarter anything uh-huh. without him. I, I, there's no way. He really, he really helped with machinery. Yeah. You know, get it going. There's no way I could have done this without his help. You know, as well as yes. you know, my son yep. and Ronnie Lara who did the artwork and Chad Ashton did the video, mm-hmm. and of course cooperation from Jeff. And Mark Robertson and, and and Steve and Rick, there's there's no way we could have uh, I could have made this work on my own. It was much too big of a thing yeah. to do. So it'll be available through Low Fidelity Records, mm-hmm. the vinyl okay. on vinyl and CD, and as a download. Good. Eventually, we'll put it on. It'll be on CD Baby, but yeah. um, you'll want to get the the you want to get the artwork. Yeah, you want to. I like the, CD the hard. Pretty awesome. I want the hard copies. Yes, it is pretty awesome. Yeah. And we got a video coming out on it. Um, we took it from the Broken Concert from 2005, some shots. Mm-hmm. So we'll have a little video released. Good. Probably 4,000 miles using the song 1,000 Miles. Mm-hmm. But it's a good record. Uh, best production we've ever had. I'm not going to grade it as far as our other ones. I'll let people do okay. that. But I think everyone's going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's good. And hopefully requested a lot then. So that's great. <laughs> okay, well, that uh, is wrapping it up. I, I just thank you so much. We finally got this going. Uh, but you didn't talk about what I'm going to do in the future. What are you going to do in the future? <laughs> well, Altabilis is going to record That's two songs, hopefully. what we want to know. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, hopefully we're going to record uh, two more songs coming maybe this fall. Yep. I've got two songs I've had written for a couple years. One called Hellbound Rays. Mm-hmm. Another one called Rocking Through the Night. And then, Lord willing, I'm going to do a train record. Surprise. Oh, wow. <laughs> Before I got sick, I was working on songs. I'm, the plan is I want to go in and uh, I want to hire musicians. I want to hire you know, drummer, yeah. upright player, steel player, electric guitar player, maybe a fiddle, and go and re- redo like the Bell of the Big Boy mm-hmm. and... Um, Whatever happened to Caboose, and I have a bunch of new songs written. Great. Songs called uh, uh, Union Pacific Railroad, mm-hmm. Virginia Truckee Line, uh, Ely, Nevada Northern Railway. And so this album's going to be called Songs from the Roundhouse, Michael W. Stan. That'd be awesome. And then the big boy, a railroad, the train, I have a song called Big Boy and about the world's biggest steam engine. It's going to be coming back around next summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they refurbished it, renovated it. It's going to be uh, the world's largest steam locomotive operating, and we are supposed to be part of that celebration. Wow. Ultimately, great. So, uh, yeah, that'll be next summer. Awesome. Uh, they're doing this in honor of uh, Promontory Point, 150-year celebration. They're going to take it back to the closest location yeah. at Promontory Point, uh, the Big Boy Locomotive, in Union Pacific, and uh, use this part of the celebration. Then they're going to go on a grand tour throughout the United States and one of the stops is going to be back where it was for so many years at Rail Giants and Pomona Fairgrounds and we're supposed to be part of that celebration. Oh, that's fun. Beautiful. Yeah. That'll be great. Well, we'll sure look forward to that as well. Awesome. And maybe next yeah. summer a few Ultra Boys uh, concerts too. We'll see That'd how it That'd be goes. nice. We'll see. Never, say, never yeah. say never. You never know. Never say <laughs> never. I don't know. You know, if some <laughs> festival or someone, yeah. if something worked out, a church or want to bring us in made sense, uh, we, would, we would do yeah. it. But probably not this summer, uh, except for maybe something local at the House of Blues. Yeah, well, that'd be great. Awesome. 
Okay, Mike, thanks so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor. I just uh, Thank you, Jeff, for letting me share my I'm story. I'm thrilled and... to have been able to do this. Just It's just so great to get caught up and uh, see where um, singers, musicians, and uh, God's uh, ministers are today and what they're doing. And we just praise God for you, and thank you so much. And um, I'm right. going to turn off the recorder. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> and...